Do you have regrets about certain things you may have said to people in your professional or personal life? What about the way you behave during a meeting? The way you spoke to someone in passing? You're not alone. Many are passionate about their work and company and do not always find it easy for you to communicate their thoughts. Some topics are just controversial. Other conversation topics could probably be resolved if we took the time to understand and deliver the messages in emotionally mature ways. This is what we're talking about on the next show. How emotionally intelligent are you? How should we? How could we? We'll look. Dr. Lynn is a licensed psychologist and CEO for Lynn and Associates. Akia Garnett here, your host for the Akia Garnett Show. Welcome. Boy, have I got a great show lined up for you today. My guest is none other than Dr. Jim Lynn. Some call him Dr. James Lynn, and he is an amazing psychologist and a person who I've known for several years now, one of the only people I know who can really tap into my brain and help me share what I know about myself and how I feel about all things that matter so much to me. And I want to introduce him to you, and I also want to help you understand a concept which is thrown around quite a bit but may not be given as much time that is needed to um, fully respect what it what it means and this this concept I may be struggling a bit to get to the words because it is such an important concept in today's world especially uh, how connected we all are in ways outside of just the traditional face-to-face communication or methodologies. Uh, What I'm talking about is emotional intelligence and our ability to truly understand ourselves and build relationships with people based upon how we perceive ourselves and also based upon how we believe people perceive us and how we perceive the world. And um, this is so critically important, especially when you're in business and when you are the CEO or visionary of your business and you are out there building relationships with people and trying to get people to invest in your dream and your vision and help you move the needle forward so that you can be successful in all that you're doing. And sometimes when we're in business, we can get tired Um, not just from the work that we're doing in business, but from the relationships that we're seeking to build. Sometimes those relationships can show immediate fruit. Other times it appears as if we have a challenge just communicating with people, especially those people who we feel are critically important to our ability to succeed. 
And so I want to um, introduce, again, our guest today, uh, Dr. Jim Lin, have him uh, just share with us a little bit about um, his background, and then we'll jump right into our discussion on emotional intelligence. Hello, Dr. Lin. Hi, 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 how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Uh, that was a great uh, intro that you did. Uh, you, you know, you should have been a psychologist. <laughs> I don't think so, <laughs> but thank you very much. <laughs> I know your couch is always available, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, to give you just a brief background uh, for the listeners about uh, my experience, uh, I started off as a school psychologist working in an elementary school for about five years. And it's interesting because a key part of that work involved using intelligence testing. The the standard measures of how how so-called smart uh, people are, and we used uh, that intelligence test to help identify students who needed special help. Now, as we evolved, uh, probably around the 1980s, 1990s, this new concept of emotional intelligence uh, came into being, which is really uh, uh, deals with all those things you started to talk about, uh, about how you know yourself, uh, deal with other people, and uh, ma and manage your emotions. So um, one of the one of the main things I think I, I'd like to separate and distinguish is this difference between intelligence and emotional intelligence. Would that be helpful, do you think? I think that would be very helpful. Okay. Well, so, this, so intelligence, we know, has been around for over 100 years, used to, to test uh, children in schools, military people, and a lot of vocational career assessments. And this emotional intelligence is really been around the last 20 years. Uh, in fact, it was uh, Daniel Goldman, a psychologist in 1995, wrote a book on emotional intelligence that really introduced the concept to the general public. Mm -hmm. And he really made it, uh, made emotional intelligence a common sense kind of term. And, and in, in, in defining emotional intelligence, it's, it's a kind of a set of emotional and social skills yeah. that, that really uh, affect the way that we see the world, the way we express ourselves, and how we uh, develop and, and maintain relationships and connections with other people. It's how we uh, handle stress, cope with the challenges, and, uh, and just generally how we understand our emotional life and, and how that's such a key part of all of our communications and interactions with others. Now, well, one final, just one final comment on the differences. Uh, 
intelligence is considered to be kind of static and you sort of have it for life. I mean, you're either smart or you're average and you're sort of that way for life. Whereas I think it's important to note that with emotional intelligence, uh, we, we believe, psychologists believe, that you can build and grow and develop uh, and actually improve your emotional intelligence. Wow. So uh, when you, and, you know, I wish we could stay on uh, the general intelligence and being smart or average, uh, and that's the way you are for the rest of your life, because I'm pretty sure that in itself is controversial for many people when they hear that, but that's not the topic of today's show. Uh, you you and I met in the business setting years ago, and we met because I was working with a team of uh, uh, high-powered um, personalities, and we all had to communicate effectively with one another and build uh, uh, an organization. And from that experience, um, I will never forget how I um, have to be aware of what I say and how I say it, um, not just based upon what I think, uh, but also based upon what I know of the other personalities that I was communicating with, and not in a way where I was speaking to manage other people's personalities, uh, but in a way that I uh, hoped would not uh, create blockage in my ability to have a message translated appropriately. And so um, can you just speak a little bit about what you do with business owners and how you are invited into the corporate setting and help uh, management teams and executive teams work together so that they can achieve a common purpose or achieve a common goal. Sure, yeah, it's a great uh, leading and a key up. And, you know, as a, as a consulting psychologist, I, I get to work with a lot of uh, different people in organizations and uh, – and helping them solve a lot of their personal and performance problems. And often, emotional intelligence issues are at the core of, of, what's, of what's going on. In fact, let me, let me just share one story of, uh, to give you an example of how, uh, how we use emotional intelligence. Uh, I was working with one company, a, uh, and the... And the CEO was very charismatic and charming, a great salesperson, and uh, and he was um, very successful. However, uh, a major problem with working with his senior leadership team was that uh, he wasn't really getting the, the most out of the team. And this is what would happen. The, the team, the scene, the senior team would meet. They they would start to talk about an issue, and invariably, within five to seven minutes, the CEO would sort of take over, uh, raise his voice, uh, repeat repeat a point, uh, say it over and over again, and basically just shut down the conversation. Uh, the rest of the senior team would just clam up, 
and he would wind up not getting their valuable input. Now, uh, I, 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 took, I did an emotional intelligence assessment on, on him, and we'll jump into this in more detail later, but just to, just to give you a couple of the subscales, the tests that I took, one, one of his strengths was emotional expression. He scored at the 98th percentile. He was very, very expressive. Now, this is, nor this is normally a good thing, but of course, like any strength, it can be overused or overdone. Now, in combination with that strength of emotional expression, his impulse control, his ability to, with, to withstand, to withstand and withhold, hold back and not jump in, was only at the 55th percentile. So there was a big gap here between his skill at expressing himself and his ability to control his impulses. And when we talked about that, he immediately started to see the core of the issue that he had to deal with. He needed to get that expression and that impulse control in better balance. Yeah. We call that to get within 10 points on, on, this, on this assessment. And once that happens, he'll be able to better function as a senior leader at that team and not dominate and control the conversation. Wow. Uh, Jim, that's just absolutely amazing. And I think that one of the challenges today is that we just, as leaders, have sometimes been thrust into the leadership role or leadership capacity. Everybody didn't go through executive leadership training. Uh, everybody didn't know when they started out in their career that they would end up in uh, leadership roles that require us to sometimes deal with complex challenges and complex personalities. And not just that, but have to um, really balance out our powerful personalities with those uh, who we meet in the workplace and also in the marketplace. And so when you have um, this uh, occur as a, a leader of a, a small business or business in general, uh, how do you even know if you need uh, some support with um, assessing your own emotional intelligence? I mean, I believe honestly, that we should all just do this and be proactive about it. But um, many times people aren't driven to get help until there is a catastrophe. Uh, but do you have, you know, do you have some, some, some guidance on uh, helping people understand um, when the, it's time to perhaps seek an assessment opportunity? Uh, it's, a great, it's a great question. And unfortunately, you know, what happens is uh, usually these managers have to have experienced some kind of problem. Mm -hmm. they, they, they hit the ceiling. You know, they get stuck. You know, uh, as, as you know, and I'm sure most of our listeners know, there's a very high failure rate for new businesses. It sure is. You know, most, uh, most don't make it. Nope. They either run out of money, they... Um, they wind up struggling mm -hmm. with getting along with others. Uh, 
and then there are all these people issues that we're alluding to. Managers yelling and screaming at their workers. That's not a good thing. No, it's not. Uh, okay. Others have a huge blind spot. They're, they're legends in their own mind. They think they're the greatest gift to management, and they leave a trail of bodies walking behind them. Uh, and someone has to give them feedback. And sometimes they take it, but sometimes they get very defensive, they get angry, and they don't take the feedback. Uh, so, so consequently, others walk on eggshells around these kinds of people. Uh, some people are just plain arrogant or insensitive to others. All of these behaviors are what we call career derailers. They're, they're, they're career chillers. They can cause a person to lose it, lose their job, or, or if they're the business owner, for their business to fail. So unfortunately, uh, to, to get to the heart of your question, they usually, I usually wind up finding out about these people when they're in serious trouble. Uh, I wish it was more proactive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I know, and uh, like I said, I, I do believe that most times folks don't reach out for help until a catastrophe has taken place. Um, when would you say a person is, um, and I don't want to say old enough, to appreciate the value of an emotional intelligence assessment, um, but when would you say a person might be ready to um, express themselves on a level where they actually have some clarity as to who they are? Yeah, it's interesting. The, um, that most of the assessments are based on adults, people in their early 20s and 30s and 40s, et cetera, that they're assessing their there isn't uh, uh, an early childhood emotional intelligence assessment that I'm aware of. Uh, so it's something that uh, that they that we're starting to become aware of in their in their twenties. Uh, however, I don't think you can really be too too young to really start to learn about things like uh, like having empathy, mm -hmm. thinking about the other person. Uh, these are these are great skills to start to develop your emotional intelligence. Uh, a second a second area I think is is just starting to learn about what are feelings, what are emotions. Um, you know, there's um, there are three there are three parts to emotions that I think it'd be good to just talk about for a minute, just mm -hmm. to, because so much of this emotional intelligence deals with feelings and emotions, and yet some people have uh, a very uh, thin or modest understanding or vocabulary. I, I, just a quick story. I remember I was doing some work with uh, with an engineering group, and I was uh, attempting to get this one engineer to identify and share his emotions. And I and he was struggling. And I said to him, "You know, you're having a hard time." Uh, expressing any any kind of feelings, and he looked at me and he said, "The doctor, Lynn, I feel you're a jerk." Mm. Uh, and he, he and he thought that was uh, he thought that was a strong feeling uh, statement, which 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 really it wasn't. <laughs> okay, so here's the three parts to here's the three parts to emotions. There's a there's the physical part. When we have a feeling, something happens. 
not always, but usually to our to some part of our body. Our our heart our heart races. Our hands get cold as blood flows away from the extremities. We may experience a knot in our stomach. Our breathing may get shallow. Uh, you, you've seen those flushed faces where people get that flushed face. Yep. These are all these are all the physical kind of signs to emotions that, that we think of. Now we don't always have those, but but there's there's uh, usually some kind of physical part. Okay. Then, so then this, there's the expressive part. Yeah, but but Jim, just a second, because yep, I, yep. I love I love yep. that yep. what you're saying, and I just want to just. Uh, Clarify that again for our listeners um, to give them uh, a list or an understanding again of what the symptoms appear to be uh, to someone that either you're communicating with or even yourself uh, so that if you are in a situation where you're communicating a very important point or you're having a very sensitive conversation with someone about your business or about their role in your business, or if it's a vendor or a partner or an employee, um, here are some signs that the person or you may be having a challenge communicating what it is that you're feeling. So can you just give that list again, uh, uh, Dr. Lynn? Well, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by the list. Or the, the series of the series of uh, of physical uh, displays. Oh, oh, those physical. Oh, yeah. Oh, those physical parts. Right. Okay. So, and looking for the physical signs, uh, you, you might notice their breathing. Right. Is their breathing getting more shallow? Uh, it's hard to obviously spot things like uh, the knot in the stomach or their hands are getting cold. In the other person, you notice those more internally yourself. But you can see things like their, like the flush response as blood flows into the face. Uh, you'll, you'll see that. And oftentimes you'll see some physical body movements. They'll start to uh, rock their feet or tap their fingers or start to move automatically, un almost unconsciously. Uh, as these are all uh, outward signs that there's something going on, there's some kind of physical reaction going on. Okay, and so when this happens, yeah. Jim, uh, when this happens, what is an appropriate way to respond when you see this happening, when you see another person going through this, or you yourself is going through the, or going through this? Right. Well, let me, let me finish because it's important to understand that that, that, that connects with how we show our emotions. See, that's just the physical reaction. The other, the part that we see is is how expressive uh, people are when they show their emotions. And if you think about the two extremes of that, there's the emotion, the people who emotionally, we call emotionally flood. And these are the people that are like the drama people who just wave their arms, their voice tone, or you'll hear all the sobs or the or very uh, exaggerated kinds of sense of how they're talking about things. That's that extreme, maybe the tears, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other side of that expressive are people who blunt their emotion. You know, the good poker players, mm -hmm. people who don't show any emotion at all. And in fact, there's a strong bias uh, that many people believe that in business and professional world, you're supposed to control your emotions and not show your emotions. That's right. That's so, right. So, 
Yeah, so to get back to your question, I think what you're, what you're looking at, if we want to be authentic and effective communicators, you sh should be aligned between how you're feeling and how you're expressing it. So, for example, if you're unhappy, if you're unhappy with something as a manager, you don't say to your subordinates, you know, I'm very unhappy with your performance last week. You did not meet the goal, and <laughs> I don't like what's happening. Now, just to get a sense of the incongruity between the words and how I said them, yeah. let, me, let me say that a little differently. It's too bad we don't have video here, so you can see the video of me doing this as well as the verbal stuff. <laughs> but here, here, you know, I, I'm very unhappy with what happened last week. I don't like what happened, and I'm very, very uh, disturbed about the performance. We need to improve it. You see that there's a difference there. I'm showing more emotion, and it's more congruent with the fact that I'm unhappy. Now, see, what happens is a lot of managers are not connected there. They don't understand, uh, and they're not aware of their own emotions and how they're expressing their emotions, so they confuse other people. Other people aren't able to read them. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And is it our responsibility um, to make sure how much power do we have in making sure that our emotions are congruent uh, with our with our display of emotion? I, I think we're completely. I think we're completely responsible. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the main learnings of this emotional intelligence mm -hmm. is that is that. Our emotions are part of everything that we're doing as we're communicating. It's like the air in the conversation, the background in what we're doing. And to be aware of that, it's not a question of the emotions being good or bad. They're, they're there. And the idea is to be aligned and congruent. I mean, obviously, you want to avoid the extremes of emotional flooding and be out of control. And you want to also avoid being, being the uh, blunting your emotions and not showing any emotions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, now, by the way, excuse me. The third, the third part of this emotional. If remember, we got the physical part, the expressive part, and then there's also this reflective part, which is how aware you are of your emotions and how you can communicate and share with others how you're feeling. So, there, so, that's, so that's an important aspect of it, too, that very often when people are communicating, like, to, like let's say a boss says, I, I, want, you to go clean, I want you to go clean up uh, that, that office. That's one thing. Now, if he, if he thinks about being a little more transparent and, and reflecting on his feelings about that and why he wants that done, he could say something like, you know, I want you to go clean up that office. We have the advisory board coming in tonight, and it's very important that we set a nice, clear message that we're organized and disciplined for the board. And, it's, and I would like you to do a great job of cleaning up the place. I know you can do that. 
Mm-hmm. See, the difference, the difference in those two communications, one is just telling them to do it. The other message is explaining why it's important and sharing some of your feelings about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jim, uh, without, without it, saying who your actual customers are, your clients that you've helped over the years are, can you just give us an understanding of the industries? Because I know that, you know, just personally working with you, um, that you've, you've crossed industries far and wide. I just want to make sure that people understand how uh, basic this is and also um, how specific uh, you've been able to um, drill down to, to people that are in every spectrum. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with uh, small business owners that are running million-dollar businesses, and uh, people that have $100 million businesses, and uh, city managers and county executives, so a wide range of, uh, of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, um, the examples really stay true, though. It doesn't really matter if you have a little business or a big business. <laughs> what we're talking about here with emotional intelligence is being able to basically understand yourself and be able to connect with and build strong relationships with others. And, and you're in business, so you need to build relationships with your customers, and you need to have relationships with your employees. Uh, you know, I think of the, um, the metaphor of what I think of this emotional intelligence of like a, a person riding on an elephant. You can just picture that with the rider is the rational thinking part of us. You know, the part that's logical and that uh, makes sense of things. And the, and the elephant is the emotional part of us. It's, it's a good metaphor if you think about how powerful and strong our emotions are. You know, as the rider, we can kind of guide the elephant. But, what, but if the elephant gets excited and gets into a charge, it's kind of hard to bring him back and rein him in. Yeah, and that's why it's so important. Uh, as to understand the triggers that set us off emotionally, because once we get going, it's hard even for psychologists like me to kind of control themselves and bring it back. Yeah, that's pretty scary when you put it into that kind of, um, uh, you create that kind of metaphor in the mind. Uh, yeah. uh, because, you know, we do know that the rational side of us um, is very likable most times, <laughs> but that emotional side, uh, when when it's really out of balance and out of whack, and like you said, when it gets out of control, it can do so much damage, and yeah. uh, so much so that it it you know makes it difficult, to, if not impossible, sometimes to go back and and repair those bonds that have been broken, and um, you know that unfortunately um, can can lead us to destroy relationships that we could have put years into to creating and, and, and building. And business is so, so much so based on doing it with people you know, like, and trust. And when you are not perceived as a person who has control over your emotions, um, and when you appear to be unstable and um, really just um, 
just um, uh, I guess uh, unpredictable, um, then it can you know make it difficult for people to trust you. And when you lose uh, your trustworthiness, um, then it makes it very difficult for you to be recommended or for you to be included in uh, um, certain you know opportunities where there are other people um, who might also play a part in in those teams. And so it's so very important to um, to understand our emotions and to seek to have um, a, a handle on how we communicate and express ourselves. You know, for some people, um, they feel that, okay, I've done the Myers-Briggs test, you know, is that enough? Or, you know, I've done this Eagle test, uh, uh, I forget the name of that one, um, or, you know, I've, you know, I've kind of done some things online or I've done some, you know, I've done some other things. I've taken a class on stress management. I mean, there are just so many, you know, things that are at our disposal out here that appear to have the, you know, uh, some sort of um, uh, ability to certify us as being emotionally stable or to certify us as being um, a master over our ability to build relationships with other people. But um, you you focus on a, a few key um, assessments, and I just want to, you know, have you focus on that for a second and help people understand why it is that you choose those assessments as opposed to some of the other ones that are out there. Sure. Well, that's a good story. I like to tell stories, which is a uh, – with a uh, president of a company who had just taken over this division. And this uh, company processed film in, uh, in Reno. And the, and the new president and I toured the uh, plant that morning. Uh, when we met at lunch, uh, I shared with the president that I heard some disturbing stories from a number of employees about this plant manager that he was uh, arrogant, rude, and disrespectful, and uh, generally just a bad guy. And, <coughs> excuse me, and the president uh, said, I heard the same things. So what we decided to do in the terms of assessments was two things. Do a 360 review where we would get feedback from about 10 people from all around him on his behavior and give him an emotional intelligence assessment. And I did that. And uh, I'll never forget, this is about a month later, I'm spending a couple of hours giving him feedback on his 360 assessment and his emotional intelligence, which showed, by the way, uh, low emotional self-awareness high emotional expression, and poor interpersonal skills. Uh, combined with that, he received uh, a number of uh, corrective uh, feedback statements about his managerial and leadership behaviors. And he looked at me after this feedback and said, listen, Jim, I've been getting great results in this plant for 20 years, and now you're telling me I'm supposed to be loving and hugging and being a nice guy? I said, you've got to be kidding. And uh, 
you can tell from that he didn't quite take the feedback very well. Despite my best efforts, uh, he didn't buy into it, and he was gone about a month later. So sometimes people just can't take the feedback. If they're too defensive, they're locked in. In this case, he was unable or unwilling to accept the feedback and change, and he wound up leaving the organization. So this is powerful stuff. I mean, there are stories where people have accepted it, have made changes, and made great transformations, but it doesn't always work. You know, and I'm so glad you gave that story because we tend to tolerate our star, our star performers. Uh, if they perform and are quite successful, they're given more more edge. They're given more rope, um, more leeway. You know, if they can perform and produce, then in in in, in certain situations, it, it uh, it's overlooked. You know, you've got the cocky person who's quite arrogant and cocky, but they are, you know, outperforming everybody else on a team. And so um, people just deal with it. They just, you know, feel as if it's a part of the trade-off. Or, you you know, you're in business and you're the CEO. Um, nobody really wants to do business with you, but you are a winner. And so people will partner with you even if you are just not a very pleasant person to be around because they know that they're going to win. They know that they're going to make money. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we can indirectly um, uh, award or reward people um, even when they don't deserve it, their behavior isn't deserving of it because they are able to produce. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you gave that example because, you know, there could have been a person, I don't know the, the full story, but there could have been a person who might have gone on and done so much more work for the company. He says, hey, I've been here 20 years or however long and I've been doing all this and let me just take my wares, let me take my skills and everything and go somewhere else and make money for someone else. And, um, you know, that's enough for most small business owners to get a afraid and say, hey, I don't want to lose this guy, you know, I'm going to just tolerate it. I'm going to put up with it because he's our star performer. And so, you know, we, you know, again, can reward behavior, even when we don't intend to, out of fear, uh, out of fear of losing something or out of fear of, um, you know, uh, not being able to maintain a certain um, level of success that we have. And so there goes, again, another opportunity for us to be aware of um, how we communicate with others and to understand the need early on in our relationship building to um, create that, that level and to create the atmosphere for, for healthy emotional management and healthy emotional relationship building. And so I'm so glad that you gave that example because I think more often than not, as um, as small business owners, especially when you really don't have a lot of people that, you know, you can rely on, you tend to, you know, put up with or or tolerate um, behaviors just because you really feel as if you need that person. Um, yes. And so I appreciate that. Um, that's a great, yeah, the, the summary point of that is great leaders get great business results and people love them. They have great relationships with people. 
Mm-hmm. And those don't have to be uh, competing interests. Yeah. That's the secret to being a great leader. Get results and create a great climate. Great. That's awesome. And uh, I wish I could, uh, we need to have a, a flag or something uh, that has that on it. Um, great leaders get great results and create a great climate, not just the results and not just the climate. And so, um, Jim, do me a favor and tell folks um, a, a bit more about um, your consulting firm and, and how um, they can engage you if they're interested in, in reaching out to you. Sure. Yeah, I... I um I focus and work with entrepreneurs who are running small businesses, usually in that two to twenty, thirty million dollar range. And uh, frequently, the issue, as we talked about earlier, is they've gotten stuck. Uh, they've hit the ceiling. Uh, sales have slowed, or there's some people issues, uh, some issues with marketing and sales, and uh, they're looking for some help. Their leadership team isn't functioning as well as it could. There's some people problems. And those are the kind of issues that uh, they usually bring me in to uh, help them uh, get organized and get focused. And, and I have a process that really just goes through in a very systematic way to help them get organized, build that trust that you talked about on their leadership team, and help them come up with a very clear strategy, and then more importantly, a plan for traction for how to implement it and build in some discipline for how that leadership team meets on a weekly basis to report on how they're doing and to solve issues. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's key. Okay. And how how can they how can they connect with you, Jim? Yeah, well, well, yeah. There's a, a number of ways. I mean, I'm uh, I'm out in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that uh, I'm thinking about doing, and maybe something you and I could talk about, is uh, creating a series of webinars on emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Uh, I recently developed a six-month program on emotional intelligence. Three. The first three sessions are on self-awareness, and the next three sessions are on interpersonal skills. And I just finished uh, running that those sessions with a group of city managers. Yeah. And it was very well received. And I'm wondering if it might not be a, an effective strategy to put those workshops into some kind of a webinar format and make them available to a broader audience. What do you think of that idea? I think it's a great idea, and I'm so glad you brought that up because of the work that I do with small business owners, and and not just small business owners, but business owners in general, no. gets into the area of emotional intelligence. And I have to be uh, responsible enough to know when it's time for me to uh, suggest uh, other professionals to join our conversations uh, when I feel as if there is a blockage or an inability to tap into the authenticity of what a person is communicating to me or with me based upon another challenge in their life or 
something else that needs to be uh, sorted through or worked through in order for them to get to a place of comfort. And so, um, you know, there is the toggling there with what I do and what my partners and I do regarding building authentic messaging that reflects who we are and what it is that we want uh, from the world and to see in the world. And so I'm glad that you made that, uh, that recommendation because I think that it's a natural, um, re- there's a natural relationship there and it's already something uh, that, um, you know, you have been doing. And so it makes sense to, to talk more about how we can present that uh, partnership in the form of webinars to a broader audience on, in my universe. Sure. Yeah, and there are, you know, there are, and there are short and easy uh, sort of self-assessment ways you can identify your uh, emotional intelligence skills. Yeah. I mean, there are four core areas. There's your self-awareness, the, the interpersonal awareness, your social awareness, and how you manage relationships. Mm-hmm. And. And you could, and I have, I have a set of uh, like eight short questions that that kind of get at that. It's, I'll just, I'll just let you hear a few of those and get an idea. Okay. Like, for example, in self-awareness, uh, I am aware of my emotions as I interact with other people. No, sometimes, often. And secondly, I know my triggers, the things that set me off. No, sometimes, often. Two basic questions that get at. Uh, how self-aware we are. Now, interpersonally, uh, I have strategies for dealing with my emotions, like counting to 10. Uh, No, sometimes often. Or uh, I take control of my self-talk. No, sometimes often. Two core questions that deal with how we deal with other people. Now, how about social intelligence? I watch the body language of others when communicating. No, sometimes, often. Something we alluded to earlier in our conversation about looking for those uh, verbal and nonverbal clues of what's going on. A lot of people are completely oblivious to those nonverbal clues when people are talking. Uh, Or I imagine myself in the other person's shoes. What kind of empathy do you have? And then finally, on the relationship management, uh, I encourage and take feedback from others well. Uh, think about that plant manager in Reno. He, he doesn't do that so, so well. Or, finally, I take on candid conversations by mastering my story first. We create stories. We have beliefs about what we experience, and that story then becomes true for us, and that affects uh, how we communicate with others. So there's sort of a very short, simple, eight-question self-assessment of your emotional intelligence. Yeah, and I just thank you so much, Dr. Lynn, for sharing that. I hope that it has been helpful and will be helpful to people and will be a start for those who have not or been introduced to the concept of emotional intelligence uh, and for those who are familiar with it, those who are actively engaged in self-help and, and finding ways to strengthen their ability to communicate with people, I hope that um, this adds to your ability to um, to manage your emotions and to be aware of how you communicate and how you are 
perceived when you're building relationships with the world. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time. Uh, and I look forward to communicating with you very soon. And thank you uh, for listening to the Akia Garnett Show. It is a weekly show on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard. We'll see you next week uh, with another episode of how together in business we can all master your brand.
shine.